Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. Let's get into the Word. Let's go over to Philippians chapter 4. Um, this evening, uh, we're going to pick up in verse 12. Last week, we, we, we reviewed some and then focused on verse 11. Uh, we learned from verse 11 that we can be content in any situation because of what we have in Christ. Uh, we saw that from verse 11, that Paul actually had to learn or to acquire the habit of being content. How many know that it takes faith to be content when all your circumstances are opposite? Have you ever noticed that we're like some of the most, uh, our culture, especially in America, some of the most discontent people on the planet? I mean, I haven't been all over the world, but I know for all the blessings, the good things that America has and possesses, and that we, we uh, 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 have access to, do you know the poverty level in America is actually wealthy in some countries? But have you noticed that people are just not content? It's like, if I don't have this, if I don't have, I don't have the latest, I don't have the newest, you know? And here we have Paul saying he learned to be content. And we know from the history of Philippians that Philippians is one of the prison epistles. Which means Paul wasn't writing it from a cruise ship. You know, it's easy to talk prosperity when you're on a cruise ship. It's a little more difficult when you're in prison. <laughs> It's easy to talk content when everything's going your way and you got no problems or no issues, but it's a little more difficult to talk content when everything is opposite of what you might think in your natural mind is contentment. And what Paul actually learned and realized was he had to find that contentment from within in spite of what was without. Amen? Have you ever thought about this? I think about this. Of course, I'm looking at some of this stuff constantly, but... Have you ever thought about uh, the fact of what we let us, what we allow to get us discontented? And then have you ever compared it to the list that Paul writes of the things that he went through? Or the other apostles? Amen? I know sometimes this isn't the funnest stuff to talk about. But if you want to develop spiritually, how many want to develop spiritually? I know I do. So I have to look at these things and go, oh, I ain't doing that. I'm not doing that. I, I should be doing this. I'm not doing this. And I have, to, I have to look at this and go, okay, Lord, if I want your promises to manifest in my life, then I have to make adjustments to what you said. How many realize that? Do you know what we call adjustments is a very nice political word for repentance. <laughs> the Bible calls it repentance, but that's too offensive for some snowflakes. So we have to... <laughs> We have to kind of, you know, we have to kind of backtrack it, you know. Like people, you ever notice that Christian, that, uh, that there is this thing that uh, Christians can get if they've been saved for a long time. Even if you're quoting the Bible to them, they'll go, don't teach me. I've been saved for 30 years. You know, I, I knew that scripture while you were in diapers, Sean. Well, then do it. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> You know, and it's not a matter of being just contentious or, or, or uh, 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 just to pick a fight, so to speak. The idea is, is that we grow and develop spiritually. So Paul, if Paul, how many think if the Apostle Paul had to learn contentment, we might have to. Okay, but the good news here, and this is the part we want to focus on. 
you, you can develop to the point where Paul, who God used as an example of faith and grace in his life, you can develop to the point where you're satisfied and content and kind of immovable by circumstances. We'll look at this a little bit in verse 12. You can get to that point even if you're in prison. Now, I'm after this thing, you know what I mean, in my own life. Because I've grown to a certain point, but how many you the, the stature and the measure is Christ? You realize that. So we want to keep pushing and 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 uh, moving forward and advancing in our faith to where we get to the point where people or situations can be pretty uh, awful around us, but yet we're just steady. Amen. That's the goal, right? So even if it doesn't feel like that could be you or if that hasn't been you for all these years, how many are thankful that the Lord never leaves us nor forsakes us? And that there's always hope if you have heartbeats right now and you're breathing in oxygen, then there's an opportunity to grow. So the world wants to preach doom and gloom and they'll continue to because that's their leader, doom. But we are faith people. Amen? And so we don't want to focus on coronavirus. We want to focus on Jesus Christ. Amen? The anointing. People say, but it's a real thing. There's been lots of real things for lots of generations. Paul had real things in his day that we don't face, and yet he didn't just ignore them, but he didn't make them his life focus. Now, those that are involved in certain uh, what I call <laughs> Luciferian leadership would love for you to be focused on things that are demonic, but we're not going to do that. We're in this world, but we're not. Amen. Amen. Okay. So sometimes you almost got to kind of go all the way back to just the very basics of faith that, that kind of, you know, where we first got in, where the altar call was given and, and people would, you know, you, you get asked this question, you ask this question to yourself, if I was to die today, where would I spend eternity, right? And if you're born again, you're spending it in heaven. And if you're not, then you're spending it in hell. But how many, most people in here, I'm guessing, are born again. You have Jesus in your heart. So if worse came to worse and you end up in heaven sooner than you thought than later, you're in heaven. So uh, like the one preacher said, uh, people said, you know, had said to him, you could die from this. And he said, well, you're not going to scare me with heaven. You got to go back to this because, look, the devil's going to come and he's going to put pressure on you. And he's going to say, you know you, what you saw in the news and you know what you saw about this person with this disease and this person with this disease and these people had this and they still got this and this. Look what happened. And he's going to try and paint that picture for you. He's going to try to make somebody else's life your destiny their, the, or ending of their life. Well, you know... Your uncle relapsed. You know, your, you, you know, your friend from high school, he, he only lived till... And the enemy will paint these pictures for you. And these are real spiritual attacks. Do you know what picture was being painted to Paul while he was in prison? They're going to kill you soon. These are the Romans, Paul. They had, nobody was telling them what to, you know, there was no international war laws going on when the Romans were, you know what I mean? Not that countries abide by those, but you understand what I'm saying. 
At least we have them written down, right? You know, there's, they're there in, 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 in a concept anyway. There, there was no Amnesty International for Paul. So where did he find his contentment? In Christ. If you can, if you, in, in your thinking and in your reasoning and in the private recesses of your own meditation, the computer operating, in your own thoughts, if you'll grab those thoughts and back yourself and your imagination all the way up to the edge of this word and just confine your mind within this word, then Paul got to the point where he said he was the prisoner of Christ. He wouldn't even acknowledge Rome. He wasn't fighting this battle in the natural anymore to the point where the enemy would say, Paul, you're going to die. And he'd say, I haven't decided yet whether I'm going to die or not. Go back and listen to the series because it's in Philippians. And that probably just drove the devil nuts. He'll paint you this picture and paint you this picture and paint you this picture. Go over to Psalms 27. That's not, this ain't even in my notes, but we need to hit it. I love Psalms 27. He'll try and paint you a picture. He's going to paint you this picture. It's going to be horrible. You're not going to make it. You can't come out. There's no way. How will you ever have success? How will your life ever change? This is the Amplified Psalms 27 verse number 1. The Lord is my what? Light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear or dread? The Lord is the refuge and stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even my enemies and my foes. How many realize, you know, you may not have just a natural enemy or foe against you. But how many are very aware of the spiritual enemy and foe that's against you? Now that's a good thing. Sometimes people think, Lord, just make the devil go away. No, you make him go away. Here, let, let me just say it like this, and this isn't... This is just where I feel like the spirit of what the Spirit of God is saying, right? I'll just put it to you like this. The reason why you are aware of, of to, a, to a larger degree at this point of where he is than you were before is because you walked into territory that you own, but you let him have it. You know, sometimes people have this picture about Christians. Like we have this idea that we're kind of sitting in a corner waiting for the devil to come at us. But the Lord said, Occupy until I come. And the further you go with the Lord, and I've experienced, I feel the fire of God in my bones. But I, the, long, I, the more I've experienced it, the longer you walk with the Lord, what the Lord does is he puts you into the middle of the battle. And, and, and sometimes Christians are like, I don't know if I'm ready for this. Well, you should have studied more back when you were in boot camp. You know what I mean? You know, it's tougher to build in the middle of the storm, but it can be done by the grace and mercy of God. So say this with me. I'm not going under. I'm going over. Or I'm going through. But I'm going to the other side. <laughs> See, we have this idea, like, the more I walk with God... 
then I won't even, I had somebody tell me this once, I've shared it before, I'm not even aware there is a devil. I'm thinking, no, you're wrong. That's, you have no scriptural example for that. None. Not to mention just, your, how many have walked with the Lord for a few years and you figured out the devil's there? How many have figured out as, as defeated as he is and as dumb as he is, he does not give up? You have to make him move. You have to go, offense will not sit in me. I am not a storage place for hurts. I'm not a storage place for hatred toward my ex-spouse. Right? Come on, ex-boss. I don't care what it is. I hit a nerve. All right, so... <laughs> okay, I, I'm not a... Listen to me now. I'm not a storage space for hurt to my abusive parent... Because of my abusive parent. You, you have to get to this place where you're, you're going, No, my identity is in him and I'm not changing. And I'm going to keep pushing this way. I'm going to keep going this way. I'm not going to back up or back away. Devil, you might as well give up or go on because I'm not giving up. You know, I heard a minister say this, and I thought it was so, it's just such a good, the Holy Ghost said it. And it's so good as long as the world turns, as long as I have heartbeats in my chest, as long as I'm drawing oxygen, I'm going to believe God. To where we get to the point where life, you know, you, you don't allow yourself to get into a, the, the world system routine, but you're in a routine of the anointing. You're stepping in and living in and out of the resurrection every day. You're routinely hearing from the Holy Ghost every day. Do you know I hear from God every day? There is not one day that goes by that I don't hear from Him. Now, I'm not saying I have an open vision of heaven. I'm saying that the Spirit of God quickens things to me. The Spirit of God takes me to certain passages. He drops revelation in my heart that I never saw before. He enlightens my mind to things that I never saw before. You know, it's like, uh, how many have eaten a good steak before? How many might eat one again? So why do we treat the Bible different? Well, that was a good verse for me a few years ago. It'll be a good one tomorrow. Amen? So, so I need to have, and I know when I get it, that it's during my devotion time, it's during prayer time or something. I know there is a supply for today, for tomorrow, for the next day, and I know when I'm hitting in that supply. And so the Lord is, we have to get this image into our mind. Watch this now. When the wicked, verse 2, even my enemies and my foes came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Say this with me. Say this with me. Say, devil, you and yours stumble and fall in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Amen. Watch this, verse 3, though a host encamp against me. Have you ever felt like you had a problem that just kind of encamped? <laughs> he said, my heart shall not. Now, why would you say that? Why is David saying that? Because he's feeling fear. 
if, if David, when he was writing this, if he was just going to declare his natural circumstance, his natural feelings, there would be none of this, the Lord's going to deliver me, the Lord's working on my behalf. It wouldn't be here. You know, sometimes people, and even in Christendom, they, they read the Psalms and they think David was like just this most honest, emotional guy. Like he just, whatever the moment was, that's what he expressed and he stayed there. Like he just lived inside of his feelings. And they actually focus on all the things that he wrote were just, which, which were actually just natural descriptions of his circumstances and ignore what he declared in faith. Have you ever read Psalms 91? He, he rose up and he said, I will say of the Lord, he is. Have you ever read that? Why is he saying that? Because it doesn't look like it's happening in the natural. So he's got to declare something from the other source in the spiritual, opposite of what he's seeing in the natural, in order to change what he sees in the natural. That's what faith does. Well, I'll say it when I feel it. You'll never say it. Or you'll only say it when Joy and the team's leading and you feel the goosebumps. <laughs> I feel them too. I do. And when I feel them, boy, I get after it. Because it's easier then. But when I don't feel it, you open your Bible up and you go, this is where I am. And you start declaring what he said. Amen? Amen. Because, and then the devil will say, well, yeah, you can't, you can't be, you can't live like that, Sean. You can't do that, Sean. You know what you did wrong. You know about this. You know about that. And, and, and you have to go back to, I'm not declaring this devil on my righteousness. I'm declaring it on Jesus's. And Jesus is not having a hindrance in talking to the Father right now or receiving from him. Amen. So neither am I. The only hindrance that I would have is if my thinking's wrong. Amen? Amen. So then the devil will say to you, yeah, but you don't have enough power. And then you take him over to Psalms 37.5. And it says, commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him. And he shall bring it to pass. Amen. So even in the midst of all of it, you're not the power. He is. It's not your righteousness, it's his. You just cooperate with him. If he reveals to you an area where, then, where you need to change, then go ahead and change. But listen to me. If you don't see anything, don't make something up. Just act like nothing's there and confuse the fire out of the devil. Amen. How many have ever sinned? How many have asked for forgiveness? Stop talking about the sin then. It's gone. You ever notice how good the devil is at playing on your feelings? Your thoughts? He'll give you a thought. He's just like the Democrats. <laughs> this church is growing by leaps and bounds. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> They'll create a problem and then pretend like they came up with a solution. Actually, there are Republicans that do that too. It's, the, it's eat the heart of evil man. <laughs> it's true. So in the midst of all of this stuff, where's our faith? Where's our contentment? Where are we at? 
Where are we living from? Where am I living from? Paul said this, he said, I've learned the secret of being content. Let's go to verse 12. I know, he says this, I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I have learned both to to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Now, people might think Paul's not a faith guy anymore if they understood the word of faith uh, message, at least the emphasis on faith, because of what he just said. But Paul's making a very strong point here. In the, in the Mirror Bible, it says, I'm not defined by abuse or abundance. That's pretty good, isn't it? How am I defining myself? He says, I'm the prisoner of Christ. Paul didn't just say, I'm the prisoner. He said, I'm the prisoner of Christ. My chains are what? In Christ. His chains were not in uh, you know, uh, laundering money. His chains were not in illegal activity. They were in Christ. So what is Paul doing? He's saying, everything that I am is in Christ. This external does not define me. This abuse does not define me. This pain does not define me. This government does not define me. The world system does not define me. The, the, the world's categorization of my financial status does not define me. What defines me? I am in Christ. And in that, I can be content. I can be content. I can settle. I can rest. In the Passion Translation, it says, I know what it means to lack, and I know what it means to experience overwhelming abundance. For I'm trained in the secret of overcoming all things, whether in fullness or in hunger. And you guys know what verse 13 says. We'll get there. Uh, It says in the message, it says, I'm just as happy with little as with much, with much as with little. I found the recipe for being happy, whether full or hungry, hands full or hands empty. Notice here, though, that it also says that he learned this. This is, again, a reference back to even verse 11, but it's this this idea of learning, which is being instructed. So how did Paul come to this place, not only of understanding it, then walking in the revelation of what he had learned? Because there are always two sides to everything, right? Being abased obviously means just to be brought low. Abounding means to superabound or to be in excess. Full just means you've eaten enough to be full. Hungry simply means physically you lack food. How many have ever been hungry before? Okay? And I'm not talking about like you just got busy with your work and you forgot to go buy Taco Bell. Okay? I'm saying you didn't have any money, you didn't have anything, you didn't have any food. How many have ever been there before? Yeah, quite a few. Actually, more than I thought. So these situations are all real situations. But what do do we see? Paul's contentment is learned and applied in every and all situations. Paul has applied the word equally during times of plenty and times of lack. And when he had plenty of food, clothing, and shelter, as well as times of hunger, thirst, and bitter cold, he knows none of the things that are in the natural, can separate him from the love of God. It is the love of God which causes our needs to be met daily. Paul has been instructed by the Word and by the Holy Spirit. He has put this instruction into practice in his own life and now shares these truths so that we can learn also. Something that I've noticed through the years concerning money is that people can tend to seek God in abasement but can tend to forget God in the abounding. 
well, I have money. Now I can go do what I want to do. Yes, you can. But I'll just guarantee you this. Your best option is to always just do whatever God tells you to do. We need to keep our fellowship with God whether we are abounding or abasing. True contentment is found in Christ alone. I want to read this to you out of the complete biblical library New Testament commentary. I thought this was very good. It ties these two uh, verses 11 and 12 together with the phrases I have learned. And um, it says this. The, the, the actual word or the phrase comes from a Greek word that I'm not going to try to pronounce. Which was used by the Stoic school of philosophy to mean a man who should be self-sufficient for all things or independent of external circumstances. I like that. I am, and what Paul was saying, not self-sufficient in himself, but in Christ, Christ's sufficiency. But what he's saying is you need to have your identity so engrafted in who you are in Christ that external circumstances do not control you. You're independent. You function independent of the external circumstance. To the point that, watch this now. Let's just take the issue of walking in love with our brothers and sisters or family members in Christ. Or just our natural family members. We can be so separated from how a person treats us as as how we're to respond. And so connected to who we are in Christ that we actually just do what Proverbs says. A kind answer turns away what? Developing in these areas. Developing in these areas. Why? Because we're called to be vessels that are full of God. Amen? So we actually can be independent of external circumstances by grace through faith. It was used to describe feeding animals until they were fattened. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? So in other words, the believer is so satisfied inside by the Spirit of Christ that nothing leads externally. You are so satiated with the understanding of who you are and the experience of fellowship in the Spirit with Jesus Christ that everything external is not a motivation one way or the other. So somebody can come up to you and you could be really maybe physically hungry and they could wave a a meal or some money in front of you and the Holy Spirit would say, no, don't take that, I got something else from you. And you could externally walk away from that. Okay, or, or you could be so broke financially that somebody could come up to you and say, I've got a job offer for you, but you're going to have to work every church day. You're going to have to work every this, that, and the other, and basically, but you're going to get this raise and that raise, and we're going to give you a company car and all of this, but you're so satiated on the inside with who you are in Christ and your relationship with him that you look at the money and you go, and the Holy Ghost says no, and you go, no, nope, can't do it, sorry, I got something else for me. Or you're so, you can be so, oh, I'm going the other direction. Here we go. You can be a multi, multi multi-billionaire. And you're so satisfied on the inside that the Lord says, give it all away. And you can go, yes, sir. And not like, you know, sweating bullets. But Lord, if I give that away, what will I do? Am I the only one that has these thoughts? Am I the only one that's partially human? You know, I just got this meat suit on, you know. 
It's actually what the Mirror Bible calls it. <laughs> it's all it is. Ashes to ashes. Amen? It came from dirt going back to dirt. How many have noticed that since you're not 14 anymore, you feel different in physically? People are like, that's not faith. Paul said it. We're believing for good working order until the day we don't need it anymore, then we're out of here. Amen? <laughs> Even though Paul used the very words, words Stoics used to boast about his self-sufficiency, his sufficiency was based upon his relationship with Christ. His sufficiency came not through the kind of mechanical self-discipline practiced by the Stoics, but because of his union with a personal God. In addition, verse 12 also clarifies the fact that his sufficiency was not based on material possessions. Now, keep these verses in context, okay? And we'll get into verse 13 next week. But keep these, keep these verses in context. Paul was referring to the offering that, that the Philippians had sent to him. Remember that? They sent him an offering. They were in, it, the, the Amplified actually calls it, later on we'll see it, but it calls it partnership. Paul had ministry partners. How many have ever wondered where that came from? You know, becoming a ministry partner. That's where it came from. Systematic giving was practiced in the early church. Just like it is today. And you know, that's okay. You know, I send 20 bucks every month to this person. And people say, it's not much. You know, people say this. It's not much. Over 40 years it would be. Come on. Think it through, thinkers. <laughs> Five bucks every month I give to this, yeah, and over 50 years. You, that five bucks multiplies and multiplies and multiplies. Come on. Do you see that? Paul was so satisfied with who he was in Christ that lack or abundance never moved him. Come on, this is kind of faith 101. He was led by what? Christ on the inside. Well, I'm trying to build my retirement. There's no better way to build wealth than to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. There's no better way to live satisfied than to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit knows I'll just put it to you like this. I was reading this in a, on a five-star man thing, a ministry that uh, Mike actually introduced me to. And uh, it's a gentleman who does men's ministry, and we did his book for the men's uh, uh, Bible study, our breakfast and Bible study. Uh, and he made the statement in there. He showed some of the statistics. Do you know when people actually make the most amount of money? It's not when they're young. It's actually when they're older. Like in the 50s to 60s. That's when they make their most. Do you know this? And I just want to put this out there just to, to help you as far as keeping, keeping your mind kind of uh, uh, right in this area. But realize this. As long as you're alive, you have an opportunity to believe God. And it doesn't matter what circumstance you're in. He can change things like that. Amen? So, don't get into trying to 
kind of twist. Try, I'll put it, to, this is the best way to put it. Thank you, Lord. Don't get into trying to get the promises to come to pass in your life outside the leading of the Holy Spirit. He'll lead you. I'm not telling you not to invest in things. I'm not telling you not to try to make money. I'm not telling you not to try to, not to move forward in your day-to-day life. I'm saying learn Him. Fellowship with Him. And allow Him to lead you and you'll see what He can do. How many know that that takes faith? Let him lead you. People say, well, I prayed about it for a couple of months and I, I still don't know what to do. Then keep fellowshipping with God. Do what you know you're supposed to do and keep fellowshipping with God. Well, I don't feel like I've gotten really a clear answer yet on this, so why would you stop? Well, it's been a long time and I'm tired. Take a nap, get up, and do it again. You know, people, we get too, it's doubt, it's unbelief. We get too fleshy about these things. Well, it didn't, didn't come to pass, and this person said this about you, and, and, then, and, and the devil does this, and you've got to just go, nope, that's not for me. You know what I, one of my favorite things to do is when nothing looks like it's working? Rejoice. You know, I... I've been in some wild services, and I've felt the presence of God. But my best rejoicing has always been when nobody else is around. My best. I can, I mean, I can cut a rug by myself. I do it. I do it. I've done it on job sites when I was supposed to be working. Now, I didn't take a long time, Terry, okay? So you... <laughs> I'm telling you, when you know you're going to be alone and nobody's going to be around, I don't care if you have to get, uh, you know, the wildest worship or praise music you've got, find it, search it. I don't care if you've got to turn on just a good old Pentecostal Holy Ghost meeting where everybody's jumping, shouting, and running around. And set a timer for 60 seconds and just praise God for 60 seconds by yourself. You know, and sometimes, you know, when you're younger, you can really cut a rug. When you're older, maybe you have to sit in your chair and just kind of move your feet a little bit. I don't know. But you, <laughs> you know, if you're in a scooter, turn it up on high and just woo in circles and say, glory to God. You know what I mean? Just do something to irritate the devil and drive him out. Do something in faith and God goes, hey, look at him down there. Amen? Because <laughs> that's how we operate in faith, and it, it pleases God. It's not that you're, like, getting God to love you all of a sudden. It just pleases him. Oh, hey. And it shuts off the devil's ability to hinder God's promises. Well, it doesn't look like what God said to me is going to come to pass. He shall bring it to pass. Listen, he shall 
bring it to pass. When? He shall bring it to pass. Well, we've heard the prophecies. We've heard the Lord. I heard the prophets say Trump won. I heard there's supposed to be a great move of God. Where is it? He shall bring it to pass. And I will be in the middle of it. I will operate and fellowship and function with him as long as we're here. We go in faith toward him. We find our contentment in him. You know, I'll just put it to you like this. Sometimes people have discontentment because they, they have too many things that they're outside of Christ that they're finding their contentment in. And you just need to go on a fast. You need to fast. People say, fast? You know, it's like a cuss word in church sometimes. You know, people are like, oh, I get weak when I don't eat. You know, we get all these things, you know. I'm not just talking about a physical food fast. What's your favorite form of entertainment? Fast it. And don't just not do it. Pray and worship. Do something to engage with God instead of that. I just, I got to have my coffee every morning. Fast it. If you get up in the morning and your body goes, go get the coffee, and you go, yes, sir. (laughs) Or yes, ma'am, whatever it is. You need to fast it. Kick it. Heidi and I. Actually, I actually, not accidentally, but gained a little weight. <laughs> you know, you ever go shopping after you lost a bunch of weight? And then you gain some back and you're like, dang it. Come on. Wasn't that tight before? <laughs> I don't ever get, I don't, I'm not, you know, I'm not losing sleep over this. So we pulled things out of our diet because I got to, we got to, I got to get some weight off. I was on vacation, man. It was cool. Cinnamon rolls. Amish food. You know, that ain't exactly on the diet list. You know what I mean? It is organic, that's for sure, but it's real butter. It's not, you know. So, but anyway, so, and so we started, and I'm like, okay, got another belt loop down, you know, starting to trim it out again. I don't even know what I was saying with that, but man, it was good. But you, so you, you can always go back. You know what I mean? You could always step back and cut more. I, I can gain weight or I can lose it. I can choose. Either way, I'm not going to be content whether I'm, I'm not, my contentment's not going to be whether I'm in, ch- I'm in chubby mode or skinny mode. My contentment's in Christ, right? <laughs> so... If you don't like me just because I gained 15 pounds, that, that can't, uh, my contentment's got to be in Christ, you know? And so, 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 you know, we can control our, we can cut things out of our, I don't even remember what I was saying <laughs> along those lines, because those were funny jokes. The, 
What was I saying? Fasting. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, right. Yes, thank you. Go, oh, man. That's what I was saying. Okay, so fasting, so we cut sugars out. Well, guess what I had for part of a day? For a day, a headache. Not like a, not like a oh, I can't do anything, but just that. And it's being taken out of your system. So like if you have a different form of, you know, something that is controlling you or you're finding your contentment in, you know, maybe for you it wasn't, you know, uh, vanilla ice cream with chocolate on top or chocolate ice cream with chocolate on top or strawberry ice cream with chocolate on top <laughs> or any kind of ice cream with chocolate on top. Because chocolate's the best, Jody. It is the best. <laughs> I learned it from my dad. It is the best. Okay, anyway. Or blizzards with not just the normal amount of ingredients. How many love a little extra ingredient in there? Your flesh will actually say, you'll hear the voice. It'll say, this is the voice of the Lord. And you'll actually see an open vision of the DQ sign. It'll actually come out of heaven. And it's so, but anyway, when you first pull that thing out, you're going to feel like, oh, Lord, where'd my contentment go? But then when you pull it out and you step away and you get into the spirit of intimacy with the Father, whoo, and you get into the, the, the marriage covenant that you have with him, you'll go, oh. This is way better than that show or whatever it is, whatever the thing is. But how many know that takes time, discipline, and focus? Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.